Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. Trevor Lane on X at Trevor underscore Lane. Trevor, it's been a while. How are you, man? How have you been? I'm doing well. Been doing well. Been enjoying some some NBA basketball this season. Been a lot of fun. But thank you for having me back on. Absolutely. Did you enjoy a little bit of uh, NFL football yesterday? I did. I did. We had some good games there down to the wire. I'll admit, I was kind of hoping for Ravens Lions to be the to be in the Super Bowl. Didn't get that, but that's okay. Those were those were a blast, and I, I'm excited for the, for the big game coming up. Yeah, um, I gotta say, I think most people were were wanting Ravens Lions to get through. <laughs> no one. I mean, Chiefs win too much, and then the Lions are just the fun story. And I don't know if they're they're going to get back. That's going to be. I mean, Dan Campbell said as much yesterday after the game. That's it's hard to get back to that position, especially if you're in Detroit. Yeah, it really, I mean, and you felt for them. It's been so long since they've been able to do anything like that. And there's so much, you know, their offense is so much fun to watch. Those are the teams that I gravitate towards. Then, you know, the grind it out, defense first side. Yeah, defense wins championships. But give me the team that's going to throw the ball a bunch, that's going to put up a bunch of points, and let's have some fun. Yeah, um, do, you ha- do you have an NFL team, by the way? I don't. I, I grew up in okay. Southern California when the Rams left. And so I, I kind of am a, oh. a football nomad. Oh, so you're just like me. I was this. I was a St. Louis Rams fan when they left back for L.A. I, I gave up on them. I was done with them because of the Stan Kroenke so experience. We both got burned by the same team in different cities. Yes, we have something in common <laughs> there. So now I, I, I call myself uh, NFL agnostic. That's where I'm at at this point. Now I, I have to bring up on Saturday. Um, was that the best NBA product we watched all year when we watched the Warriors versus the Lakers? That was a 2 OT, 145-144. We got everything we wanted out of that game. That was Steph Curry uh, showing, uh, flexing his muscles from the three-point line. LeBron James turning back the clock, even though he doesn't have to turn back the clock very much, even though he's in year 21. He's unbelievable. Uh, he had a fall away, of a fadeaway that he knocked down that, that felt like a backbreaker. But that game, you know, I, I have... You know, been trying to latch myself on to the rest of the NBA outside of the Grizzlies because the Grizzlies are struggling this year. That was the best product I watched all year. Yeah, that that game was an absolute blast. It was an instant classic. Uh, I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. That was a phenomenal game. And we see these games where LeBron really turns it up. Most games he's going at, you know, like 70% pace, something like that. That game, he went all out. He got fired up to play against Steph. And we got to see, like I said, an instant classic performance. And it's one of those things we have to remember. You know, even Steph is 35. We talk, we talk about LeBron's age all the time. Steph is 35. 
Like, we're not going to get to see all that many more <laughs> of these much, backups, yeah. so it's important we appreciate these when, when they're here, and they gave us they gave us a great one. Yeah, 36, 10, and 12, or 20 and 12, I should say. I should have doubled up the rebounds for them. 36, 20, and 12 from LeBron at 39 years of age. That's just, we're not going to see it much longer, so appreciate it while it's here. Now, I want to get to the Lakers real quick. Um, they're 24 and 23. Um, they have struggled for most of the year to sort of find their footing, and we still have the Darvin Ham thing looming. What is going to happen with Darvin Ham? I know that it feels like that locker room has sort of given up on him at least a little bit, but they're still playing some good ball here and there. What do you think happens with Darvin Ham ultimately? You know, I, I know there's some concerns from within the Lakers about their about what has gone on with the rotations, with the defensive schemes. They've been just hemorrhaging threes, giving up wide open three point shots. Part of that is the old Bucks defensive scheme, which if guys get hot, you're you're targeting certain players that you're going to essentially decline to defend behind the three point line. But if those guys get going, which we've seen happen to the Lakers a number of times this season, then you're in big big trouble. So. Uh, the, some of the players have been happy with their minutes getting yanked around and, and their roles constantly shifting. I think that if things don't improve this season, and it does feel like they're on a little bit of an upswing right now, but if, if they aren't able to make a real run, I think they're going to take a serious look at Darvin Ham this summer. I don't think that his job's in jeopardy mid-season here. I think we're too far the way into the season to, to bring somebody else in, even though you know, we just saw Milwaukee do that with, with Doc Rivers. I don't think the Lakers are going to go down that path just yet, but if they don't make a strong run here, I, I do think Darwin will be on a bit of a in a bit of a hot seat uh, this coming summer. I mean, I, I specifically heard from from within the Lakers that uh, that it's not just the trade deadline stuff. It's not just a trade that's going to fix this team. That there's some improvements that have to be made. Otherwise, Darwin's not going to last long. Yeah, and, and with the trade deadline, DeJounte Murray is the name that keeps coming up. Do you think they get that that done? And also, if they do get it done, what do you think about that fit alongside AD and LeBron James? Certainly, certainly you feel okay about uh, his, his stardom and what type of player he is, but I, I've always been of the opinion you surround LeBron James and Anthony Davis with shooting, and DeJounte Murray's been good from the three-point line this particular season, but that's not something he is historically known for. Yeah, he's an, he's an interesting fit. I know they're looking for quickness, for athleticism in their backcourt. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves don't really provide that. So it makes sense from that from that perspective. But you're right, he historically has not been a great three-point shooter. He's been just okay at best, and now he's shooting the ball well from three. So is that just a, a, a one-season thing, or is that now he's, he's improved his three-point shooting? Is that real? That's certainly a question the Lakers have to ask. He's not, he's not a great finisher at the rim either. Uh, he really lives in the mid-range game. He's not the ideal fit in that regard. Defensively, I think he's got a little bit stronger of a defensive reputation than um, than what he's actually producing right now. But I do think he'd be able to focus in a bit more on defense on this Lakers team. So I, I like the player. I don't think he's a terrible fit for them. But what I'm a lot more pessimistic that it's actually going to happen than I was, say, a week ago. What I've heard is that uh, essentially the, the talks between the Hawks and the Lakers they they didn't end up going anywhere, and right now it's all just kind of on pause while they wait for the uh, the trade deadline to come up on February eighth. They're kind of in a staring contest. I think the Hawks really want Austin Reeves, and while they might be able to be talked in, I heard some optimism from the Lakers side that they were potentially going to get something done around D'Angelo Russell and Dejounte Murray. I think the Hawks really want Reeves, and we could be put in a situation where if the Lakers say they'll throw in Reeves or they'll put Reeves into the deal, the Hawks will do it. Otherwise, the Hawks won't, and the Lakers won't do the deal with Reeves in it. So 
I'm more pessimistic now than I was, say, a week ago, that a deal's actually going to get done. So do you think that the Lakers are going to hold on to Austin Reeves, if at all possible? Like, the, getting getting rid of him to go uh, join the DeJounte Murray sweepstakes, do you think that that will be the, the backbreaker in, in not getting a deal done? Yes, yeah. I think if it comes down to no deal or you put in Austin Reeves, I think it would be it would be no deal from okay. the Lakers' side. They, are, they do not intend to trade him. I heard a couple of weeks ago they specifically told him he would not be traded. I think the only way they trade him is if they put, uh, is if they were able to get like an all-star caliber player. And they could, if they don't move their 2029 first round pick, they could have potentially three draft picks, three first rounders available to trade this summer where maybe you go after, you know, a big name or something like that. Not say they're going to land somebody, but we'll have the, the potential to maybe go try to do something there. That's where they would consider moving him, not for a guy who's kind of more of a fringe all-star like DeJounte Murray. Now, you brought up uh, the, the Bucks making a midseason uh, firing and then shift to Doc Rivers. They went from Adrian Griffin to Doc Rivers. Now, Adrian Griffin was 30-13. and 13. I think that is uh, third all-time for coaches that have been fired midseason in NBA history. The other two teams that are ahead of them with, with win percentage, um, they, they ended up winning, uh, the, winning it all, 1980 Lakers and the 2016 Cavs. Um, what did you think about that shift, that switch in philosophy? I, I Listen, I don't blame them for their ultimate decision-making in bringing in Doc Rivers. He's a championship coach, although I think he's lived off that 2008 championship a little bit too long. Um, he's had a lot of talent and hasn't been able to get over the hump. But I think the one issue I have, Trevor, is the fact that they kind of botched this throughout the year. It just feels like hiring Adrian Griffin to only get you through 43 games and then ultimately firing him at 30 and 13. It just feels like they made a mistake that they're trying to right their wrongs for. And I don't like how they arrived at the decision, although I don't mind the decision. Yeah, I mean, if this results in them winning a championship, then it doesn't matter. Then all, then it's all fine and all is forgiven and they made the right move and, and all of that. But... I mean, to to be, I, I'm curious to find out what exactly was going on because obviously we had the the weird situation with the Terry Stotts uh, with with him. He was an assistant coach with him getting let go right. by Adrian Griffin, like before the season even started. Um, it, that was maybe an, a precursor or, or some foreshadowing that there were some issues going on there. If Giannis was on board, which is what we heard, you know, Giannis is on board with this. You kind of, if, if it's pretty clear that Adrian Griffin's not going to get you where you want to go, you don't want to waste a season or anything, even if it means you've got to now pay multiple coaches to not coach for you. Um, that's what the Bucks have to do. Optics are a little weird because Doc was acting as an advisor yeah. for the Bucks, and then suddenly he gets brought in. So was he advising them to get rid of Adrian Griffin and then and, and to hire him? And it, I don't know if that's exactly how it went down, but the optics are a bit weird on the situation too. Again, if it, if it works out for them and this is what they need to get them to perform at the highest level and, and to get them into some of the schemes that they really wanted to get into that Adrian Griffin wasn't running, then all will be forgiven. That's all it takes in the NBA. You win and, and everything else becomes secondary. If they don't, that's where some of this is going to be really opened up to scrutiny if, scrutiny if this does not actually put them on the next level. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, too, with Adrian Griffin. I think one of the biggest things, at least on the court, they're frustrated with is the fact that defensively they've gone from, what, fourth last year in defensive efficiency to 22nd. That's that's just how their team is built, though, right? I, I think ultimately um, it's beyond Adrian Griffin and the schemes he can draw up. It's about personnel, right? Well, to a degree. I mean, when you, when you swap out Drew Holiday for Damian Lillard, you're going to take a hit defensively. You're talking about one of the best defensive guards in the NBA, 
to get a guy who's not a good defensive player. Nonetheless, I think they were still, you know, they're asking Brooke Lopez to do some things in pick and roll that aren't quite his forte. He's more of a, a drop coverage big. So there's, there's that. But even with the scheme tweaks, like you had to anticipate a drop off defensively. It right. had to come just because of the personnel that they, that they were bringing in. I mean, you're starting Malik Beasley as your, as your defensive stopper, and he's he's really not that at the guard at the other guard position. So personnel wise, yeah, they had to anticipate a step back defensively. Um, so for them to be too upset there, that's it's a little surprising. Even if the schemes were uh, a little bit messy. No, I think ultimately, as an NBA watching society, we can uh, we can subscribe to group thought a little quickly, and I think the group thought about a. Uh, uh, sort of uh, Doc Rivers and his experience as a head coach is he has lived far too long off of that 2008 Celtics championship with a uh, with a big three of, of Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen and Rajon Rondo as a nice kicker there. Um, what do you think about Doc Rivers as a coach ultimately? You know, I think it's not just the 2008 championship. It's the notion that an injured Kendrick Perkins prevented them from winning in 2010. Obviously, that, that's something that's been out there, too. Right. Um, but, yeah, I think Doc is – I think he's a, a good, a quality coach. I, will I say that he's, you know, the top a top five coach in the NBA? No, he's not. He's more of a middle-of-the-pack guy. He's a guy – I was in, I was surprised to see that they committed to him for the number of years, at least three and a half seasons, the amount of money they committed to Doc Rivers to say, you're our guy moving forward. He's to me, he's more the kind of coach that can get you from point A to point B, but he's not going to put you over the top. Like he's not going to take a roster and make them necessarily greater than the sum of their parts and, and build this team up to a whole new place that you didn't expect them to get to. I don't think he's at in today's NBA back in the day. He was that guy. I don't think he he's that guy anymore in today's NBA. He's more of a middle of the pack coach that if you've got a good roster, he can win with it. Guys like him, he can get guys to buy in, but he's not going to come up with something revolutionary. He's not going to call some crazy plays right. or some some great uh, sideline out of bounds play that's going to win you a game. That's not really going to be him. Because largely his career has been okay, uh, at least in the uh, you know after the Celtics, it's been a lot of all stars. And yep. maybe some some underachieving. He seems like the coach that will underachieve with a great roster and overachieve with a bad roster, like he did with the Magic at the start of his career. Well, and I'm concerned about the the adjustments too. I mean, he's got this reputation for yep. blowing big series leads in the, in the playoffs, and the playoffs are all about adjustments, adjusting to the adjustments, and then back and forth you go. And so I'm concerned about is he going to be capable of making the correct adjustments that often require a lot of outside of the box thinking in the playoffs in order to respond to what an opponent's doing when you're seeing that team seven times uh, in the course of a week and a half. Now, where, where, what do you think the Eastern Conference stacks up like right now? Is, is Celtics at the top? Uh, certainly Celtics, Bucks, 76ers, but Celtics in a big space, or do you think it's closer than that? Yeah, I think it's Celtics and everybody else right now. I do think that the 76ers, that the Bucks can potentially give them a run, but right now the Celtics have to be the heavy favorite. They're playing the, the best basketball uh, at the moment, of, I think, anybody in the NBA. So they've been been great. They are certainly at the top, but I do think the Bucks and the 76ers are close enough to where it's not a huge tier break after that. And right now, you've got the Cavs are starting to get healthier. They've got Evan Mobley coming back. You've got the Knicks that have been playing some really good basketball. Unfortunately, they just lost Julius Randle, who's going to be out for a few weeks here. But uh, but they've been playing really well as well. So you've got a couple of teams that are kind of knocking on the door to maybe break into that top tier. But realistically, it's the Celtics. There's a bit of a gap. 
and then it's it's the Bucks and the 76ers after that for right now, and then kind of everybody else in the East. Now talking with Trevor Lane at Trevor underscore Lane on X. Um, I'll get to the Western Conference and how you think it stacks up. It's kind of a strange sort of uh, dynamic we're working with. Thunder and Timberwolves at the top, then Clippers, Nuggets, Kings, Suns. That's the top six. But I want to get to the Grizzlies real quick. It's been kind of a season from hell, hadn't it? We had the 25-game suspension for John Morant. They did not uh, They did not stay above water. But then since then, injuries, injuries, injuries. Um, John Morant gets hurt. Um, you've had Steven Adams and Brandon Clark out the whole year. Uh, Marcus Smart ends up uh, getting hurt. Desmond Bain. Lineman, sports aficionado, badass, what, what and friend. It's game time. It's very solid. At the I'll Grizzlies. Give, I'll give that. A lot of uh, it's takes hopes, and tackling with Gabe Coon. The Gabe Coon Show, weekday afternoons from 4 till 7 p.m. Yeah, on 92.9 yeah, yeah, FM ESPN. For them. And I, you know, I've, I've attended a few Grizzlies games this year, and they, you know, they, they compete. This team's playing hard. I know Marcus Smart got on them earlier in the year about – uh, about play, competing all the way through games and things like that. But for the most part, this team goes out there and they hustle. But they just, with all the injuries they've been hit with and the suspension and everything else, I mean, they started the season off with a, with an injury with Steven Adams. Uh, it's yep. been completely snake bit. But I'll tell you what, there is, there's a big silver lining here, and that's that next season they're going to walk out of this with a great draft pick that maybe they can use to, to put into a deal that they can uh, add some firepower right now over the summer they can jump right back up to the top of the Western Conference next season, assuming they get everybody back, everybody healthy. So that's the silver lining to all this. They're going to get a great, either a great pick or a great trade asset this summer that they can use to maybe get that next piece that's going to put them over the top. Because I think the Grizzlies, even with everybody healthy, they're probably not the top of the top in, in the NBA's Western Conference. They're probably not quite there with Denver. If you can take this season, this step back, unfortunately injuries hit you, you get this great asset in this draft pick that they're now going to get, and you're able to turn that, whether it's in a player that you select or in a trade that you make, into a piece that puts you over the top. The potential is out there for this season, ultimately, despite it being so difficult, to push them up into that top, top tier in the Western Conference if they're able to manage this draft pick correctly. So that that's something that has to be exciting for Grizzlies fans and certainly the silver lining to all this. Well, and I'll, I'll say this before we even get to that, they're going to have to trim some fat, right? I mean, we're talking about uh, John Conchar, David Roddy, Xavier Tillman, Zaire Williams, um, Jake LaRavia. It feels like uh, somebody's going to have to go here, or a few guys are going to have to go before we, uh, before we sort of get some clarity on what they're going to do this offseason. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, they're, they're going to have to make some moves. There's some things that they're going to have to do. Um, they may want to wind up cleaning up their books a little bit. They've got $183 million, almost $184 million on the books for next season. So that's, you've got a lot of money right there on the books. I've heard Luke Kennard's name out there a little bit right. on the trade market. We'll see ultimately what happens with him. But, yes, there's moves to be made. That core, though, John Moran, Jaron Jackson, Marcus Smart now in the mix here. You get Steven Adams back. You've got the makings of something good if you can, can play things right in the offseason. But, yeah, they, they do need to move on from a few of these guys. Uh, and, of course, Desmond Bain I left out there. But, uh, but you do need to move on from some of these guys and then put some pieces together around what I think is still a, a pretty good core. Now, uh, I'll say this. Uh, between me and my, uh, my producer, Connor, we are the forefront. We're on the forefront of the Vince Williams Jr. train. He's been phenomenal, uh, especially when Desmond Bain went out. You see what he can do offensively. There's been some holdouts on him, uh, I think, within this fan base of, of just trying to see what he can do offensively, but we definitely see the makings of a great 3-and-D wing. 
Um, he's starting to get a little more traction nationally. What have you thought of his emergence, and, and what do you think about his staying power on this roster? Yeah, I mean, I think that this is the kind of thing that you need to do, right? When you're in a, in a, in just a disaster of a season, you try to find these diamonds in a rough, in the rough, and he's been great. I mean, he, he's shooting, what, almost 40% from three. He's giving you that, that fire every night. He's going out there getting boards, doing what you need him to do. So this is the kind of thing where am I expecting him to be like an, an all-star? No, 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 of course not. But if he can be that 3 and D role player, that's found gold. You look at what these guys are making out there on the market right now. You look at how much these guys are, are getting paid to be a 3 and D role player that everybody in the league is looking for these guys. If he can be that for this team moving forward, that's a big, big find if that's something that, uh, that, that he can be. So I like him a lot, and this is exactly the kind of thing that you need to see uh, in, in sort of a lost season where you find a guy that can be a role player for you, for you moving forward so you don't just say, well, that season was a total waste. No, you use that time to try to unearth some diamonds in the rough, and I think that's what they found here in Vince Williams. And they're only paying him $7.9 million, so hopefully that, 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 hopefully that, uh, uh, that contract continues to age well. Now, uh, in the exactly. Western Conference, you have Thunder and Timberwolves at the top. I think the overarching thought there would be they're not necessarily ready to win in the playoffs, but we'll see when we get there. Um, I think they've both been phenomenal, and they have the makings of teams that could uh, be surprises come playoff time. But who do you really like? In, in the Western Conference. I think Clippers and Nuggets right after them is where everybody's sort of pointing to right now. Yeah, I think they, those are the teams that probably, in terms of just, and we see this year after year in the NBA, where it takes going through the playoffs a few times. It takes, you know, taking your lumps before teams are ready to really break through. Um, and that's something we've seen historically. Occasionally you'll have teams that will buck that trend. But for the most part, it, you've got to go experience it a few times as a group, especially for young teams. The Clippers... The Nuggets, obviously, they've got the experience on their team to get it done. So that's why I would favor them over the, the two teams at the top right now in the Wolves and, uh, and, and the Thunder. But I do look at, at Minnesota. I had them as one of my teams to keep an eye on this year as a team that I thought people were too down on because I do think they are a, a very, very good club. Defensively, they can do some really great things. I'll say I think the highest ceiling is probably the Thunder. Right. Uh, you know, outside I agree of the with Nuggets, that. of course, they can play incredible basketball. But the Thunder, what they're going to be able to do, not just this season, like they have a real shot to come out of the West this season, but in the future, and with the number of draft picks they've got, they've got future flexibility. They've got moves they can make. Whenever they, the next star that comes up, they can offer all the picks. And, uh, and on top of that, they've got a really good team with a guy who's an MVP candidate right now in Shea Gilgis Alexander. So, the Thunder, I don't know that this is their year to break through, but it's coming real soon, and this team is going to be a force for a long time. What else do they need? Like that That's the question I have. I look at their starting lineup, and I love what they have. I think they need to improve a little bit on the defensive side of the ball, but what else do they need to really push themselves over the top into that championship contention tier? You know, I think they could use another big physical presence in the paint. Um, they've got... Obviously, Chet is phenomenal, but just somebody that can take a little bit of the burden off there, somebody that can help them out uh, on the glass, do some things there. And then you can never have enough 3 and D-style wings, particularly when you've got a ball handler like SGA that can go out there and do whatever he wants to do. Um, another wing player, just for depth purposes, I think, would be a nice get for them. So if they can shore those things up, and then it, it may be something where the next true star-level player that pops onto the market Maybe they do make that make that big swing, but they've got a lot of really good young pieces, and uh, and they've done an impressive job. And again, they've got all the draft picks right now, probably more draft picks than they could ever hope to use. So they're going to be a team to watch 
on the trade market too. Uh, is Jalen Williams a All Star level talent? When we in here in a couple years, do you think we'll we'll see him as a perennial All Star? Uh, Eighteen points per game. He's twenty two years old. He can he can score at all three levels. Do, do you think that this is the type of guy we'll see in the All Star All Star game consistently coming up here in the next few years? Yeah, I think before all is said and done, he will be. It's going to take some time. It's going to take. You, know, you look at the Western Conference, it's going to take Kevin Durant, it's going to take LeBron James, right. these guys. That, and those guys are going to have to start dropping off. But yes, I do think that's, that's in his future. I think they've really found something here in Jalen Williams. He's starting to get a lot more recognition around the NBA. And it would be, I would be surprised if we don't see him as a multi-time all-star before he, uh, he eventually hangs him up. Yes, sir. Well, Trevor, I appreciate it, man. We'll do this again soon. Sounds great, Gabe. Thank you for having me on. Yes, sir, of course. That's Trevor Lane, host of the Lakers Nation, also the front office show with Keith Smith. He's on X at Trevor underscore Lane. Now here momentarily, we need to pass you off to the Grizzlies game. They are at home tonight against the Kings, and uh, it's gotten worse as far as the injury report is concerned. We have John Conchar and Zaire Williams doubtful. Vince Williams Jr. is questionable. They are 10-point dogs at home against the Sacramento Kings. So we'll see what happens tonight. I, I, I think they'll compete at the highest of level levels, but uh, it doesn't look like they'll have much out there on the floor to go compete against Kings team who's been trending in the right direction. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.